We're going to be looking at Psalms, uh, a Psalm this this Sunday, Psalm 27, and uh, um, I believe I quoted it um, a few weeks ago as I was preaching through Exodus, and I just wanted to come back to it. I'm glad to let you know, I, I now know what our next series is going to be. Y'all want to know? Anyway, um, I like to build anticipation sometimes. We're going to be looking at 1 Peter. We're going to letter of 1 Peter. We're going to go back to uh, uh, an epistle, back to the New Testament. And um, I'm, I'm looking, I've, you know, I begin looking, studying, listening, reading, and um, just excited about that. There's so many things uh, in that book. Uh, it's, it's, a different, it's a different letter than Paul's. I mean, again, it's written by Peter, but... Um, I think why I've come to that and want to do that next is, again, all Scripture's connected. It's all talking about Jesus. But uh, Paul, if he, when he writes his letters, it's very much, here's the truth, here's the indicative, here's what we believe, and therefore, here's how you live. When Peter writes, it's all mixed up. <laughs> it's all mixed in. It's all, do this, but look to Jesus. And then this part, but now look to Jesus. It's, it's, it's just, with everything he says, he just, he goes back and forth with, between the indicative, what's true, what God has done, who he is, and then to the imperative. And it's back and forth, back and forth. And that's really, it's, it's good to have Paul's like, you know, through the Spirit, his focused analytical mind and separating those out. But really life is like that. Life is, what do I do? Okay, look to Christ. Now I do this. Now what? Look to Christ. <laughs> now I do this. And so, um, it, that's why we're, I, I just wanted to try to do that. And, um, and again, I feel like that's really the emphasis of Exodus. That's the emphasis of this psalm is um, the wonder, the, 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 the delight, the amazing grace of the presence of God in our lives and that we can look to him and that he's revealed himself to us and that's really the takeaway not just so much that God's people that God delivered them out of slavery but that he's with them and he wants to be with them he wants us his people to be with him and so so what a wonderful thing and this psalm really hits on those themes as well and so, with that said, let's, um, let's look at Psalm 27. Let's look at this prayer, this, this part of the, the hymn book of God's people, the Old Testament believer. Uh, this was written by David, um, and, um, but, but inspired by the Spirit. And uh, before we read, let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your word. We thank you uh, for another um, opportunity, another Privilege, privilege time to come and to and to delight in you to hear your word to to reflect upon it lord help us now as we read to not just hear the words but really listen and help us not only to listen but to but to remember and help us not only to remember but to apply and find rest and comfort in you thank you um, for being um, our light and our salvation. And um, Lord, um, may you uh, be glorified in the preaching of your word. May we be encouraged. Give me the right words to say and give us hearts to hear. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord, Yahweh, is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For He will hide me in the shelter In his shelter in the day of trouble, he will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, Your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord. And lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God endures forever. Um, There are three things I want us to see here as we look at this text together. There's three questions I want us to answer. I think this, this, this text answers for us. Whom shall we fear? What should we seek after? And then thirdly, how can we be sure? Whom shall we fear? What should we seek after? And how can we be sure? Um, first, the first point, whom shall we fear? Uh, you know, I've... I love that this text it begins with this this question um, with the Lord is my light and salvation whom shall I fear and um, you know sometimes I think we get accused as Christians of kind of just being um, happy go lucky maybe not Presbyterians um, but kind of like you know deniers of reality like have you ever heard someone say well I'm not a Christian because it's just not rooted in reality you believe in things that 
can't be seen and things and stories that, that sound ridiculous and fanciful. Um, but, but the real world is... Have you, have you looked at the news? Have you watched what's going on? Have you seen the things happening in the world? And sometimes, you know, you've heard Christians go, Oh, you know, just, just, just believe everything's going to be okay. Just believe. If you believe enough, then your life will just be a bed of roses. Um, roses have thorns. I don't know if I want to lay in a bed of roses. Anyway, uh, maybe there's accuracy there. Um, I love that this says, uh, it questions, Who shall I be afraid of? But then immediately, it acknowledges... That there's a lot to be afraid of. Right? David, you know, you could read this and go, oh, well, you know, David's, David's a king. And kings are, you know, we all of the... Again, go back to the fairy tales. Kings have crowns and throne rooms and, you know, people to, to bring them drinks and the head of a pig or whatever. Anyway, um, it's just a life of luxury. But if you've read the Scripture, if, you, if you're new to the Scripture, let me tell you, David did not have an easy life. David, you got that. David was, um, David was, yes, he was king, but he was, you know, his life was in danger many, 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 many times. He wasn't just a king that, 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 that led from a distance. He, was, he fought and, 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 and was in harm's way. He, he fought for King Saul. Then, he was tried to, then King Saul tried to, to kill him. You know, he fought Goliath. And then he had to fight his own king. And then he didn't fight him, but he had to run for his life. And then, and then he, took, he became king. And then he had to fight the enemies of Israel. And then, and then his own son rose up and, and, and dethroned him and kicked him out of, his, of Jerusalem. And, and, and he, he had a hard Time. And there's many, many times where this psalm could have been written by him. Many occasions that this fits. You know, you read this and it's, you realize he's not just exaggerating. Look, it says, when evildoers um, assail me to eat up my flesh. That's, that's, that's serious. <laughs> that's no laughing matter. They're... People out to destroy me, to consume me, he's saying. This is not just for instance or hypothetically. When you read David's life, this is real. He had real enemies, real dangers, real hurts. There's an army encamped against me. When war arises against me, these are not just for instances or maybes. This is, these are things that really he really went through. You and I have things, real hard things we deal with. There's, there's danger in this world. We sang about the real, the, there is an evil one. There is a real, we believe there's a real devil. There's a real fallen angel that is, that is a, uh, there's a mind, a real being that's set on destroying the church. That's his goal. He has been thrown out of glory. He has received the, the death blow of the cross. And he is really, in, his, in, in this final, he he's, knows he's going to lose, but it's just made him more angry. That's what the scriptures teach. And he's really out to get God's people. You know, I think a lot of times conspiracy theories, you go, it just seems like there's someone behind all of this. 
And we want to put it on a government or a politician, and there might be some truth there. Anyway, but like, but there is a real being behind it. There's a real personal vengeance and vendetta against God's people. There's real, there's real powers that we can't see, real spiritual powers. There's real enemies of the church. There's people that want to see us fail. There's, there's a real fallen world that we deal with where we're being bombarded by, uh, by lies all the time. The devil's the father of, this, of lies, and these lies just perpetrate. They're on TV, they're on TV shows we watch, they're on social media, and, and so it's everywhere. Um, and then the probably... And the other danger that we, we need to really focus on, too, is the, the danger of our own sinful hearts. There's, there's real... We, we are renewed in Christ. We're new creations, yet we still battle the flesh. That's real. There's lie, those lies that penetrate in our heart, and we're, and we're still fighting with that. There's, there's, there's turmoil and war within our own hearts and our own minds. But also there's, there's the problems of life. There's, there's, there's issues that, that keep us up at night. There's things that, that are real fears we have. What's going to happen to my kids? What's going to come of them? Whether it be their, 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 their materials, you know, what they have, their finances, we worry about their finances, their, their physical safety, their spiritual, their spiritual life. We worry about our own issues, our own finances. Do I have enough in retirement? Is this, is this, am I majoring in the right thing? Is God going to provide me a job? If I'm in my 20s, will I ever be able to buy a house? Or is it always going to be out of my reach? There are things that we really, that we really give us fear and anxiety. Fear, is this job going to be going to last? Are the struggles we're having in our marriage, is this, is this, are we going to get through it? There are a lot of things, real things, that we fear. And I love that this acknowledges that. But yet it says, Whom shall I fear? The answer isn't just ignore it. The answer isn't just like we tend to do, just live in the delusion that we're, you know, I'm just going to escape into social media, escape into a good book, escape into just my group of friends, escape into, and just act like the problems aren't there. You know, we tell our kids, you know, our kids, when, we, when, we're, when they're little, they have fears, but the fears are usually not founded, right? There's a monster under the bed or in the closet, and we go, oh, there's nothing to be afraid of. And those things aren't real, but there are real things. So he's not saying just act like they're not there. They're not, he's not saying just pretend like these threats aren't really, uh, aren't really affecting you. He's saying what? We assuage fear. We deal with the real dangers of life, life in a fallen world, by looking, seeking after the Lord. That's the answer. That's the answer, is that as we seek after Him. Now, let me ask you this. He says in verse 4, One thing I ask of the Lord, 
that I will seek after. And it made me think, like, if you had, Lord says, name anything that you want. The one, one, one thing you want. One thing that you would like from me. What would it be? You know, our minds maybe go to like, you know, a genie, you rub the lamp. What's the one thing that would just make life okay? Right? And I want you to see there's a connection between all those things I just said. The fear, the things you fear. And if you're thinking of like God as the one who he just kind of gets you out of the problems or, or gets you what you need so that these, these fears don't come to fruition. You're, the one thing you seek may be, well, that I would have a fully funded um, you know, retirement account. God, if I could just ask for anything. What, you just, get, just one thing? Um, and you can't ask for more wishes, right? That's always the... I would like infinite wishes, God. No, but... Uh, why don't they do that? They never do that. Anyway, um, if you're not careful, you realize that... When you, just think about that question. You can just ask... God says, I'm going to give it to you now. Bam! Just what would it be? If it's anything besides what is said here... It's your fear that's motivating the request. Does that make sense? You're, you're going, it's my circumstances that are a problem. If, and if I could just, this is the thing I'm afraid of, so if I could just have this, then everything will be okay. Again, that's a lie. How many enemies, I mean, how many things are there to be afraid of? I, there's a big list. I didn't even, I was just scratching the surface. David gets it through the, through, the, through the unction of the Spirit, through the inspiration of the Spirit. He is saying, this is the thing to seek. This is the one to look to to get rid of your fears. Don't pretend like they're not there. Don't, don't look for a solution to the problem. Look to the Lord Himself. Look to Him. That's the thing. That's what we need. And again, going back, we just got through looking at Exodus, thinking about that. That was the whole point, wasn't it? I mean, if you, what, what was God teaching Israel? You don't just need freedom from Egypt. You don't just need gold. You don't just need manna. You don't just need water. After they sinned greatly, after they came to the conclusion of how inept they were to approach God and how inept they were to do this thing, to, to go to the promised land, they realized when God said, look, I'm going to give you what you need, y'all go ahead. They said, what? If you don't go with us, there's no point. If you're not there, if you're not present, then it doesn't matter what you give. It doesn't matter all that you, all the all the supplies and all the gold and all the silver and all the food and all the just that the the physical. The, 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 even if you promise the, he promised to send the angel to go before them to defeat their angel. The angel, I will send an angel. He'll take care of the enemies. You'll keep keep getting manna from heaven. You'll keep getting water. And they were like. No, 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 we need you. And again, this is, this is the gospel. I need, 
I need you. I want, I want to see your beauty. I want to see your face. I want to dwell in your tent. And we get that from David, why he wants that. Again, David, it'll be his son that builds the, the, tabernacle, the, t- the temple. But there's still this, this idea of there is a place where God especially dwells with his people, where, where his where access to him is shown and clear in the, in the sacrificial system, that he wants to be there because God's there. That's where God is, not completely and fully, but he is, the, the tabernacle is, as we said last week, full of His presence. I want to be in Your presence, O oh God. I want, to, I want to worship You. I want to bring sacrifices to You. I need You, and I want to see more of You. That's the key. That's the key to security. That's the key to not being afraid. And note the boldness of this question. Note the boldness of this request. He says, I want to see your face. What did God say to Moses about seeing his face? You can't handle it. (laughs) Moses, I want to see your glory. I want to see your beauty. Well, I'm going to show you just my back. For my full glory on display... You would be undone. You were you were sinful. You were a creature. You're not worthy. You cannot stand. But David is not satisfied with just what Moses saw. He wants to see the face of God, his full beauty on display. And the question is, where does he get off asking that? Where, where how could he Again, not only did David really fight and really struggle, but he he really sinned big too. We know that from the Scripture. He lusted. He committed adultery. He committed murder. He doubted God's strength and security later in life and ordered a census to be taken. And that was sinful. This guy was not worthy of to behold God in His full glory. But, but the thing is, He knows what? He knows God's goodness. He knows His grace. He knows His covenant faithfulness. He's convinced that God will what? As we said in Psalm 130, He will forgive sins. He's convinced that His sins can be, or can be separated as far as the east is from the west. He's convinced of that. He's, he's convinced that... He's, he's convinced of what that face will look like. The demeanor. Sometimes I think we don't seek after the Lord's beauty because we really fail to understand that He's beautiful. That we don't seek after God's face because we're worried of what His expression will be. David wants to see the fullness of God's glory because he knows the expression is a smile. The expression is one of welcome. It's an expression of love. That there's not hate in his eyes. There's not wrath in his eyes. 
But a one, a, a, his, his demeanor is one of one who, yes, hates sin and deals with the enemies of his, his enemies and the enemies of his people. But for his covenant, those people of his covenant, it's one of delight and a desire to be with them and them to be with him. To, to want to see the face of God is to see His glory, but also a confidence that that face, it won't be stern and wrathful, but one of delight and joy in His child. Do you know that? about do, do, ha, Think about that. How does the Lord look upon you? How do you look at yourself? I doubt any of us get up in the morning, look in the mirror and go, man, you're doing it. You are killing it, man. You've another day to get everything right. Is that what you do in the morning? I typically look in the mirror and I notice some blemishes that weren't there and some spots that I guess come with aging or something. I don't know. And more wrinkles than I remember. Most dudes forget we're old, you know. We just kind of go, yeah, I'm 20-something. You look in the mirror, oh, anyway. I think that's some of God's mercy in the way our eyes go, you know. We don't have to see up real clearly what we look like. Um, but usually when I look in the mirror and I think about myself, I'm, I'm, I'm really harsh. I'm really harsh. And you, those who know me, you go, well, rightly so, Grant. No, but... Um, <laughs> But I'm a big sinner, and I still got one. What with the Lord since I was six? What? Why am I still doing this? Why am I still? Why am I still afraid? Why am I still overwhelmed? Why do I? Why is my faith weak at times? What? what what's wrong with me? The Lord doesn't do that. The Lord doesn't look at us that way. Again, to look upon the Lord to David is is to see beauty. And I'm going to tell you, I've seen a scowl. <laughs> I've seen anger <laughs> toward me. That's not beautiful. Though I still think my wife's beautiful. Um, but I, I, that's not something you just want to see. But he wants to see God in his glory, but know that the glory is for him. The glory is toward him. That, that God loves him. So how can we see God's face? How can we... What does this look like? I like the idea of it, but how do you and I see the face of God? How do we do that, pursue that? Well, look what he says. He talks about doing what? Going to the house of the Lord. Going to the tabernacle. One of the ways we see God's face, we, enjoy, we, we see His beauty, is that we, we go and we worship We go and we make much of Him. We go and, and realize and, and hear others, hear the preacher, hear our brothers and sisters tell us, look how good God is. This is the God of our salvation. This is the God who loves. This is the God who will not cast us out. This is the God that we deserve to be cast out, that we deserve to be, for Him not to help. And, and, and David acknowledged that in verse, in verse 9. This is the God who's invited you to seek my face. Come, seek me, be with me, know me. And we can do that as we hear his word, as we are reminded 
of His goodness as we hear the gospel proclaimed each and every day, as we sing the gospel, as we pray prayers of Scripture, biblical prayers to Him, we can see and understand and behold Him. That's what David wants to do. He says, I want to go take sacrifices to, to, the, to, the, to the tabernacle. I, I want to experience access and forgiveness and love. But also we see God's face in His works of providence, in the ways He takes care of us, in the way that He's, that he's moved in His people and through the church to, to keep His covenant and to, and to, and to maintain his, his church. But the ultimate revelation of God's face, of His beauty, of His countenance of love and of joy is Jesus. Is Jesus. The more we know of Jesus, the more, we, the more we, we realize that He's the fulfillment of all that was talked about in Exodus, the more we realize that He is the true Israel, who, who is the, the, the promise of Abraham that through Him, through His seed, He would bless the world. Jesus has come, and, and when we look at Jesus, we see the Father. When we look at the Son, we see Him in full display, that, that the glory of God is on display in the face of Jesus Christ. So we pursue, we, we seek the face of God by seeking Jesus, by knowing more of Him, by worshiping Him, by reading the Scriptures, by hearing Him preach, the, the good news of Christ preached. That's how we seek Him, and that's how we see Him. And that's where the beauty is found. He tells us not to be afraid, not because there's nothing to fear, but because the God of the universe, Jesus, God and man, he has, he has come. He sits on the throne. He's in charge. And He has promised to love us to the end. It's not that there are no real threats. It's that none of those threats is greater than our King, our Lord, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we will forget that if we're not seeking Him, if we're not looking to Him day in, day out. And if we're not careful, we'll begin to look and seek instead, not Jesus, but the answers to our fears, the answers to those individual problems. That's not the, that's not the way forward. That's not the way to be to feel secure and at peace. The way forward is to look to Him. The last thing I want us to answer is, how can we be sure? How can we be sure? The very last verses here, he says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That, when you think about it, that's, that's profound. <laughs> in the Old Testament, think about that. This isn't, this is not, this is before Christ. This is before the Messiah has come and revealed himself through what? How do we know Jesus is Messiah? He is the Christ who is his resurrection. But he's confident, David's confident that not only will I look upon the goodness of Yahweh, not what just when I die, but I will look upon it in the land of the living. He anticipates 
a resurrection. He anticipates a new heavens and a new earth. Maybe, does he know that? Is that just the Spirit speaking through David and his heart, his longing? He's, he's trusting. But again, Jesus reminds us that, that we talk about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as, you know, he's not the God of the dead, he's the God of the living. And that Abraham wanted to be buried in this certain place. And Jacob wanted to be buried in, 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 the, in, in the, what's now known as Israel. And, uh, you know, what became Israel, even though they were wandering and hadn't received the land, there was this idea of, it's important, it's important that this promise wasn't just for uh, a land for the generations, but a land and a, and a promise that they would enjoy later. There's this anticipation of life, and we see that in Ezekiel thirty-six in the Valley of Dry Bones. Again, there's this, this, this. His, he's sure not just that I'm, God's going to sustain me in this life, but he's he has confidence, he has joy, he has security because he's confident in the life to come, in the glory to come, and that's that's how we can be sure. How do I know I'm going to be okay now? How do I know that God's going to be present now? Because He lived and died, He rose again, and He's promised to come and make all things new. That's, that's part of it. It's not just what Christ has done. It's not just what God has done. It's what He will do. He will sustain us. He will lead us on a level path. He will not give us up. He will not forsake us. Even when those most dear and closest have, God will not. His his countenance is one of love and of joy toward His people, and He's promised to come again. The last verse I want us to look at is verse 14. That's convenient, isn't it? It's the last verse of the psalm. There you go. Um... That's not really outside the box, Grant. But anyway, this last verse, and it's, again, just this idea of waiting. Um, no one likes to be told to wait. You know, it's kind of like, is this feels a little bit like a downer for this psalm because those are wonderful things have been spoken. Now it says, now wait. You know? I've got an appointment with the doctor, but guess what? When you show up, what are you going to do? You're going to wait. And I, I don't mind shots. I don't like waiting. I'd take three shots if I didn't have to wait. <laughs> but some of the kids are like, no. <laughs> no, I would. Do I need the shot? Doesn't matter. Do I get to skip ahead? Okay, I'll take it. Give me a I don't like to wait. But no, there's this... It doesn't say... We don't like to wait on things, wait on things that, but it doesn't say wait on the Lord, because you might take it this way, you know? This anticipation of glory and 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 but it says wait for. And one of the commentators um, that I've read and listened to, uh, it was Sinclair Ferguson, he just said there's a difference. There's a, two different Hebrew words. One is waiting on. That's like when you're waiting on something to show up or waiting on the doctor to say, come in, I'll see you now. But then there's this other idea um, of waiting for. We are waiting on the Lord to come again. 
we are waiting on all things to be made new. But then there's this thing we do now. We're waiting for the Lord to work on our behalf. We're waiting for Him to, to do and to, and, to, and to lead and guide us in the now. And, and, and that's what he's, He ends with. The assurance that, we, that God will come as we're waiting on Him gives us hope and gives us confidence that we can wait for God to work in the here and now. We can wait for the Lord to work on our behalf. We can not just, I've got to wait, I've got to just endure all these hard things. You know, that's not what the psalm says. Just, yeah, it's going to be really bad. But he's coming back. He doesn't say that. He's saying, I'm secure now. I feel God's love now. I want to see his beauty now. I, I feel his love for me now. I'm, I, even though all these things are happening and there's much to be afraid of, I am I'm not afraid now because God is the Redeemer. He is the Deliverer. God will, is going to come again, but He's also working right now in my life with these hard things, with these struggles, with, with my fears, with the things that scare me most. I think I don't struggle so much with waiting on the Lord as I do waiting for Him. Sometimes I struggle with the timing or what seems like a lack of action. But that's why we have to keep seeking. That's why we have to keep pursuing. That's why we keep looking to Him, reminding us, being reminded of His character, being reminded of His love, reminding of His countenance that He has when He looks upon us. He really is engaged. He really does know. He really does love us. And He really will work in our midst to see us through, to help us overcome our fears, help us overcome the fallenness of the world, and to see us all the way home to Him. And when we look not to the answers to our problems or things that we can do to assuage our fears, we will continue to live in fear. But we look in faith, to our God, to Yahweh, to Jesus Christ, then we can find rest. Rest in what He will do. Rest in what He is doing. We will see Him as our light and our salvation and know then and only then that we shall not fear. For He is with us and will be with us to the end. Let's pray. Gracious God, I thank You for this, Your Word. And I pray that You would meet us in our fear. And give us a desire as we hear more of you and more of your love, more of your grace, to seek you, to seek your beauty, to seek your face, knowing that your face is, your glory is, uh, we have access to it through the sun. And that your, your countenance is not one of, of judgment, of wrath, but one of delight and love and covenant faithfulness. Help us to see you as you are. Give us security as we do that. Help us to feel peace, to feel, uh, to, to be able to actually rest in this fallen world on this side of glory. 
knowing what you've done, knowing what you will do, and knowing that you are working for us now. Help us to wait for you and to trust you. Um, We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We sang earlier in the service, um, Behold the Lamb by the, by the Gettys and Stuart Townsend. And we, we, we find here it says, The body of our Savior Jesus Christ torn for you. Eat and remember the wounds that heal, the death that brings us life. Pay the price to make us one. So we share in this bread of life. We drink of his sacrifice as a sign of our bonds of love around the table of the King. This is another way we... We behold Christ and we behold the beauty of the Lord that um, not, not only in just His glorified form do we find 
encouragement and rest and beauty. We see, we see beauty in the cross. We see beauty in Him be, being hanged on the tree for us. That, that he, he bled and He gave up His life and as, a, as atonement for you and me. And then at the end of that, He said, it's finished, it's done. And that is beauty to behold. That brings comfort and peace and joy as we behold the, the victorious Christ we behold the, the Christ that was sacrificed. And that's what he wants us to behold here. I, he says, I've given, I'm giving my life for you. I'm going to make the sacrifice for you. I am the, I am the lamb who, was, who needs to be slain. I am the, 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 the fulfillment of that Passover lamb. It's, I will be broken. I will be, my blood will be poured out. My life will be given. I will step in the, step into that, that void. I will step into and receive uh, the wrath of God, not for my sin, he says, but for your sin, for my sin. He's done it. And that's the beauty, that's the glory of God. I want you to see that as you take this meal. I want you to feel the peace that comes from that. I want us to, to we're going to end our time with this, this uh, hymn, which is so fitting. We're called to seek God, seek His beauty, seek His face, but then we acknowledge that there are times when the darkness seems to hide His face. The solid rock. What do we do? We look and we rest on His unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ, the solid rock, we stand. All other ground is sinking sand.